Well, hey, welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're glad you're with us today. Hey, we're always inspired to hear how God is using this ministry from right here in Winchester, Virginia to change lives all around the world. And if you have a story to share, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at amen at myoasischurch.org. Now, if you'd like to support this ministry financially so that we can continue to bring messages just like this one to you each and every single week, you can do so at myoasischurch.org slash give. Thank you so much for your generosity. You're truly making a difference. Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. Yeah. And I'm out there in a long sleeve t-shirt and uh, a slight vest, not shorts. But we flew home for Christmas and it was 40 below when we landed. And so... Actually, last week, my in-laws didn't go to church because it was too cold out. So we're, we're familiar with uh, cold weather. Uh, what brings us out here is squishies, grandkids. Um, I never thought that we would be in Virginia. That was never my intent. Uh, okay, a slight backstory. Um, I grew up on a farm ranch. We ran, we ran about 200 head of cattle. My wife grew up on a dairy farm. Uh, we grew up in the, people say, well, when did you meet? I think I was seven. Uh, we grew up in the same church, different schools, but I knew most of the kids from her school because the towns were only seven miles apart. And so smaller communities, you get to know one another. But we always thought that we would wind up on my parents' farm, which we will inherit someday, and we'd build a house, and that would be, I could bow hunt to my heart's content and I could fish in a lake, walleye. You guys don't have walleye out here. But we thought that's where we would be. Our kids wound up here on the East Coast. We have two children, one up in Pennsylvania and one down by Manassas. And so we've been coming out here for about 8 to 10 years, visiting for extended periods of time. And once the first grandchild was born, I could see the look on my wife's face. We're moving. <laughs> so we started, and your guys' real estate here. Uh, is, is crazy. Uh, we wound up buying a place sight on scene, packed up a trailer, um, and moved out here to see what did we buy. And Winchester has been a very good connection for us. But before we ever met, or Pastor Jonathan, I called him. Because for us, it is all about, God, this doesn't make sense where I'm at in life. And where is this going but I know that you got a plan. You got to guide me. That's actually scriptural. So I believe that God would guide me, and I started looking at churches online. I found Oasis, which hadn't even launched yet, and I called him up, and we spent an hour on the phone. And there was a couple of things I wanted to know. First of all, you're starting a non-denominational church. Why non-denominational? Okay, then what do you believe? So he told me. What do you read? because that's important, and what's your prayer life like? Those are some of the criteria that was important to me, and then my wife and I knew that we wanted to go to a place where we could serve and not be served. We, we want to be workers, but it really is God send us to a ripe field. The Bible says that the fields are white unto harvest, but you lack workers. And we're saying, God, we're workers. Where do you want us to go? <laughs> Here's where we landed. This morning... Let me put in a plug. We just started pr- 
prayer time at Oasis Church finally. We laugh because I've been talking about Pastor Jonathan about this for quite a while. And we, we launched it this morning. We meet at 10 o'clock. If you're willing, to, if you're interested in joining us, at 10 o'clock we meet for prayer in the teacher's lounge here in the school. There were six of us. Is that right, dear? Five, sorry. <laughs> Math and English. English was not my favorite. I just met an English teacher. Can we, can we take a survey? I'm going to take a couple surveys. How many of you hated 10th grade English? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I can speak English. Aren't we good? Ain't we good? Ain't we good? But I grew up in a, a farm ranch, worked with cattle. It was a lot of work, uh, put up a lot, of, a lot of square bales. That was our summers. I didn't want to work on a farm the rest of my life because it seemed like we were always poor and we never went on vacation. So I went to college for what was called energy plant processing and I got a job at a facility where we, it's the only one like in the country. We turn coal into natural gas through a gasification process. It's a lot like an oil refinery, huge facility that was unique to North Dakota. But I started when I was 20 and I retired when I was 50. So I worked shift work. I wore a hard hat for 30 years. This was not my platform. It's interesting how God changes your platform if you first have an altar. You see, our platform for many years is my wife and I worked with the youth in our church. Uh, we were very involved with our church on different levels. I've done youth camps as a counselor for junior high kids, which there's a certain amount of energy if you've ever done that. The fun thing is they think you're awesome. I, I took him on in basketball, and the kid asked me, I, I won't forget this. He said, where'd you play college basketball? I laughed. I said, I'm a short white guy. I, there was no. I could play basketball, but only on junior high level. <laughs> but the point is, God will always allow you to do something for his kingdom if you look for him. But along the way, you're going to have challenges. I want to read you something that I found on social media that I really, and I, I caught this the other day, and it was just really relevant of where my heart is today. It says, my spirit is heavy, and I am sad and perplexed by the condition of people's hearts, division, friendships, and sin. Sometimes we fail to remember that people are people. From the greatest to the least, we are all very human with very real feelings and emotions. All of us have fallen short and have failed from time to time. But it is when you get knocked down that we rise to our feet in faith. The hour when our own children hate us and abandon us, our own siblings despise us and treat us with contempt, our own family members, best friends, we trusted and more. It is here, the spirit of hate, Unforgiveness, resentment, gossip, backbiting, contempt, destruction, accusations, and bitterness. The spirit of division. Why do so many alleged Christians do this and yet think that it is okay that they are in the line with all the will of God? Kind of hits home, doesn't it? Can I tell you that a very common thing in our world, can you read this in the back? Let me kick it over here. 
Do you know what a stump is? A soapbox, we all have them. Here, let's do this. A little transparency, when we come to church, we all think that we have it, the perfect life. We all look like things are going well. But we all have a story. One of the greatest challenges I had in my life was with a family member, not my kids, but with one of my siblings. And what took place was they, they went through a difficult time. They got a divorce, but then there was other things involved, um, a relationship with a married person. It just got really complicated. It has been the biggest struggle I ever dealt with in my life, and it was the biggest confrontation between my wife and I because I was right. I had a soapbox, and I wanted my family members to know I was right, and I wanted to tell them how to do things. Sometimes as Christians, we don't know how, as in Ecclesiastes, saying will appreciate this, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, saying, if you don't know him, you'll get to know him. The guy on the guitar loves the book of Ecclesiastes. The only guy I know that quotes it. <laughs> but the book of Ecclesiastes says, there is a time to speak and a time to be silent. And I find that Jesus did that very well. But the interesting thing about a soapbox is that it's me. It's my opinion. It's what I think. But let's take a survey, just out of curiosity, and everybody's got to raise your hands to one of these three things. I'm going to ask you, when it comes to electric cars, do you think they're the greatest thing? You don't care, or they really don't know what they're talking about because all they're doing is moving the carbon footprint from one place to the other because they got to dig up a ton of dirt to get that little metal for that battery. So, who of you... And, who of you thinks that electric cars, that's the cat's meow, I can't wait to get one? Okay? How many of you don't care? Okay? How many of you are number three? Thank you. It, in church, we don't want to have conflict or talk about some of these things because they can create division. Before I get started, though, let's read the verses, if you bring them up, so I can bring this about. John chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 16, 7 and 8. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send to him, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Acts 1, 4 and 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is where I want to start is John 18, 38. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. 
With this, he went out again to the Jews gathering there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. My question to you in regards to the electric car, how did you come to that opinion? Where's truth? Pilate threw that question out, and that is such a common question. How do you determine truth? For the most part, it's usually about our culture, how you were brought up, your parents, if you went to church, if you didn't go to church, uh, what you were taught. Then it's social media. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are your friends? There's a saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Very true. But what is your truth? And electric cars is a very blasé conversation. But what if we were to talk about some of the other harder conversations that are difficult to even in a church? So what do you think about divorce? What do you think about if a couple is living together? Is that wrong? Is that sin? What about homosexuality? It's amazing how many rainbow flags I see flying in this town. Where I come from, very few. What about Roe versus Wade? Where do you stand on the abortion issue? Can we talk about that in, in church without it being confrontational? I'm not here to tell you what side of the aisle you should swing on these difficult topics. What I am saying is you need to know. And you need to know because the world out there has an opinion. What's your opinion? And then your opinion, are you getting on a stump? And just saying what you think is truth? Do you know that 20% of Americans, only 20% of the Americans, believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God? We happen to be in church, so a couple of things I want to mention. First and foremost, know this. God loves you. God loves you no matter what. And that's hard for me to wrap my head around. It really is. But he loves you no matter what. No matter what you believe, no matter what aisle of, the, of these topics you swing on, that will not change. But I can also tell you that until you truly understand that God loves you, and you are comfortable in your own skin that he's your dad and he's got a great plan for you, it will be hard for you to minister, to connect with people that is effective. Because we tend to, as the song that we sang, we tend to minister out of a, the, the word is, a salted well. In other words, it's not fresh water. It's not good water. You need to dig your own well to find good water to find out, God, what is the truth? I swing in that 20%. If, it's, if you want to know what I think, read the Bible. It's not a denominational thing. Whatever the Bible says, I believe that. But just as Jesus, and, and think about this, who did Jesus talk about or to? If you read through the New Testament and you look at the red words, it was predominantly when he had a platform. So it was a group of people that wanted to come and hear him speak or it was to his disciples. If he was in a public setting, if he was going to the tax collector's house, if he, was, if he saw Zacchaeus, you're familiar with the stories, he didn't preach a lot of hardcore messages. The Samaritan woman, what did he say? They accused her of adultery, which was true. They could have stoned her. But Jesus looked at her and said, where are your accusers? 
because he had wrote in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. And they said, she said, I don't know. He said, neither do I condemn you. Jesus will never condemn you. He might convict, but not condemn. Condemn comes across as you are invaluable. And then he said, and his only platform was, go and sin no more. When we have a platform of a stump, which I've been known to get on top of, here's some of the ways that it comes across. Sarcasm. <laughs> it's one of my best. Where I worked in the environment I worked around with a bunch of hard hat guys, okay, can I tell you, if you have a goat, don't tell me where you tied up, was a very common saying. I teased the guy about the first time he wore a new cap to work to see if I could convict him enough not to wear it again to work. It worked. I found his goat. I was good at sarcasm. When I came home, my wife said, you got to knock it off. Not so easy. But that tends to be a stump. Another thing that would be, yes, but. Or, well, I once. We assume that we're right. I'm, <laughs> am I ever wrong? Stump standing tends to be a time of bragging. And I wrote notes on the side of the box. How smart is that? And you laugh about that, but the truth of the matter is when we have a stump, we write things in here, and it was very intentional, and I'm not ashamed to show you that, but we become creatures of habit. We write on our stumps, and we tend to do these things over and over again. And other, the other thing is on stumps is we have opinions that we come across that we are right and that it's a fact. When I was dealing with some of the situations with our family, I was very good at a stump. And to this day, I still think I was right, but the way I went about it wasn't. And so I had a messes to clean up and I apologized because the effects of the stumps tend to be, creates division. And if you're creating division, that's really not where we want to be. And it creates disconnection. It tears people down. It elevates me and it degrades you. but that really doesn't accomplish what God wants. You see, what we're after God wants us to have a stage, not a stump. He wants us to be able to connect with people in a way that lifts them up and builds them up. And a couple of principles that if you want to know what a good stage is, a stage is somebody that is a good listener. That's also very good marriage advice. If you want to have a good marriage, be a good listener. It also is a person that has influence. It is a person that has earned that position. And a very simple thing that I once learned as far as if you want to know how to be on a stage individually with people, it's called ESPN. If you're dealing with somebody, you encourage them, you give them a scripture, you pray with them, and then you give them a next step. If they come back to you with the same, and this is the problem I ran into with my family members, I didn't learn this because I always had a new idea. But if they come back and say, I'm still dealing with, you know what, I'm going to encourage you. God loves you. He's got a plan for you. 
I'm going to give them the same scripture. I'm going to pray with them again because they are valuable. But I'm going to give them the same next step. Because it's not up to me to change them. It's up to God. But we all have the ability to have a stage. That's the important thing that you need to know today is that you have a stage. Wherever you are at in life, it might be in your school system, it might be on your job, definitely with your kids, your neighbor, we all have a stage. Do you see that? But if you don't see that you have a stage, you're going to tend to connect with the stump. There will be opportunities. The idea, though, is to promote connection. But how do you go from the stump to the stage? And that I find and have found to be very true For you to go from the stump to the stage, there's got to be an altar. If you bypass this, if you do not have this step, you will only have a stump. You will not be able to connect with people. Psalms 99.5 says, Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. He is holy. Until you get to the point where you can spend time with God, and what really resonates in your heart is, God, you are holy. You will not get here, you will stay here. Because it is only from a position of an altar, which is, it's very humbling, but it's also not you. You won't get to the stage. And if you really want to be a person of influence, that is what it takes. So what is an altar? And I, I, I wrestled with this the other night as far as, I want to be practical with you today. What does an altar look like? It really is Psalms 99.5, but the practicality of it is that it is a time and a place where you connect with God. With the word open, you hear him speak to you. Sundays are great, but due to the occupation I had for 30 years, I worked shift work, so I missed half the Sundays. I spent a lot of Sundays at work. So I could not rely upon church. But I developed a time and a place to have an altar. I usually had a Bible in my lunch pail or in my pocket, because I knew I needed to connect with God, because I needed guidance for there to be a stage. And I wanted to have a stage because that is Jesus' heart. And at the altar, you will find wisdom, guidance, and grounding to the values that stir the heart of God. Does that make sense? Okay, so I do want to share with you something that, <laughs> a piece of this puzzle that I think is so important. When we read the scripture in John chapter 16, where Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. 
that I will send the Holy Spirit. Think about this. If I have the opportunity to have Jesus stand right here, right now, or keep the Holy Spirit, which would I choose? Would you rather have Jesus sitting right beside you? It's like, of course I would want that. But I got to thinking about that. The disciples had Jesus with them all the time, and yet Peter cut off a guy's ear. Judas sold him out. They argued over who was the greatest. You see, Jesus couldn't be with them 24-7. He could only be in one place. And if Jesus was right here right now, that'd be great. But as soon as we, because I know you guys, as soon as we leave this place, I'd want to take him golfing, and one of you would say, no, I got bigger problems. He's going with me. <laughs> so I'm left then off on my own. Jesus said, it is better it is to your advantage if I leave, then the Holy Spirit will come. He then says in Acts chapter 1, don't leave the city, don't take off, don't go fishing, don't go do whatever you think is important until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. My question to you today is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And you'd say, well, I think so. Yeah, that's not good enough. No, so. Well, what are the steps involved? Let's make it really simple. Ask. It is a free gift. How often do I ask to be filled? Actually, every day. It is amazing how common it is for me to get up and say, Holy Spirit, fill me, flow through me. Why is that? Because I leak. Can I tell you that life situations will suck you dry? If it didn't happen this past week, it might happen this coming week. And because of, you're going to get this, there is times that I've done the stage thing and it's been all well and good and I've leaked and all of a sudden I've reverted back to the stump. Why? Because, man, up here I think I know it all. But without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will will be opened unto you. Uh, the worship team can come up at this time. It's important that we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. So if I was to put a title to the sermon, really... The title of the sermon is Push Up Against the Nail. Hopefully that brings a picture to your mind pretty quickly of Jesus on the cross and he is standing on a nail. The most difficult, I believe, time and place in Jesus' life is when he pushed up against the nail. They say that is... They say that is the most difficult or that is the most painful position of crucifixion. Look at what he said when he pushed up against that nail. He said, Father, forgive them. He could have condemned them. If it was me, I would have been complaining about the hand that life had dealt me. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. 
He looked to the other guy on the other cross and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Can I tell you, that's not a time I would have been thinking about myself. And then he said, Father, into my hands I commit my spirit. He trusted. Can I tell you, I don't know how well I would have trusted in that position. I would have, because I've done this a number of times, and said, God, how in the world am I in Virginia? (laughs) Has that ever happened to you, where you look at where you're at in life and say, how did I get here? And we tend, okay, I tend to want to complain. It's too warm here, God. Where's the snow? You get what I'm saying. We all have those times and situations in our life that we wonder, where in the world are you, God? But we have to trust that all things work for good. And sometimes, a lot of times, when there are people in our life that are on the other side of the aisle in beliefs from us, instead of correcting them, we go to our altar We push up up against a nail and we endure the pain and say, I love you. You are worthy of my love. I care. As Christians, and as, okay, the sermon series we are just starting is love. We're in the month of love, February but as Christians, what, the one thing that is to make us different is that we love. And it's easy to love those that treat you nice. As we sang in the song, or uh, on the, it was on the screen earlier in the service. It's easy to love those. But what about those that are different than us? What about those that aren't nice, making our life difficult? That's when it gets tough and we've got to push up against the nail and can I can tell you that the only way that you can push up against the nail is through the power of the Holy Spirit that's why I encourage you seek out what the word says about the Holy Spirit have you asked but know that the Holy Spirit is for you to fill you to flow through you to overflowing so that you can reach a lost and dying world So actually, we were talking about this morning. How do you deal with homeless people that you see along the road? I still don't know. I'm working through that. I'm praying about it. But that's one of the things that's on my altar right now. Is God, what do you want me to do? And I know that God guides. I rarely have ever got a text and said, this is what you need to do right now. It, It tends to be a guiding. But trust that God will get you where he wants you to be. And he'll get you the answers that you need to know. And if I could sum up in closing this morning, the first verse we read today was on love. Jesus said, I've loved you. How did he love you? Do you know he pushed up against the nail for you? He loved you even when you were difficult and hurt. We all have this box of opportunity in our lives or we can get on a soapbox or we can kneel at a footstool at an altar and we can make it a platform. 
Before you get on your soapbox, take some time to kneel at the footstool, to take the time to allow the Holy Spirit that is inside you to guide you, to show you the path, to get God's perspective on what you're facing in front of you. Then you will be given a platform, a place to influence, and the timing will be his. And I heard this stated once from a pastor, and it's always stuck with me. Judge people, but judge them worthy to be loved. That should always be our first step. Judge people, but judge them first that they are worthy to be loved. And then if they allow you in, at some point, like the disciples did for Jesus, the disciples allowed Jesus to speak truth into their life, those you will have in your life that will allow you to speak truth, and you can then have a platform. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus. We never leave this place without offering you an opportunity to place your faith in Jesus. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, and you confess that with your mouth, that you would be saved. And as a church family, we're going to pray this prayer out loud for the benefit of those who may be saying it for the very first time. Would you repeat after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you died and that you rose again. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Help me follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate with anybody? If you just prayed that prayer, will you just slip your hand up real quick? We have a free gift we want to give you. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer online, would you click the link in the comments? We'd love to connect with you with your next steps. If you prayed that here this morning, you can stop by the next steps area. We'd love to give you that gift and uh, help you with your next steps here at Oasis Church.